Welcome to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the win at UCF. Also get you ready for the game of the year, Thursday's home matchup with Houston. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Taylor is on vacation this week, still pumping out some great stories at Kansas.com and on his Twitter at Taylor Eldridge, but it'll be just producer Brian and I taking you through here today. We'll get to the UCF recap in just a second, but to start off, let's uh, let's talk about this shocker schedule. It's it's been a lot of moving parts here. We talked, you know, I just want a week where we have multiple games to talk about. We didn't get that last week. Sunday's matchup with SMU was postponed. The second time that game has been postponed. Also, the matchup that was going to be Memphis on Thursdays, now Houston. We saw the game with East Carolina this next weekend has also been uh, postponed. It looks like we might not even play East Carolina whatsoever this year. So let's just kind of talk about all these moving pieces here. Now you see after the Shockers play Houston on Thursday, their next two games will actually be against SMU, first in Wichita on February 25th and then in Dallas on February 28th. But, uh, you know, when you look the rest of the way, we're just a couple weeks till the end of the season. The Shockers have five games on the schedule. They have five games in theory left uh, uh, still to be played, although that East Carolina road matchup has already been canceled. So just your your thoughts on this ever-changing calendar for the Shockers. I mean, it's starting to become a little bit of old hat. We're continuing to see kind of this pattern where we start to get a little sense of normalcy. We get a couple games in back to back, you know, start of conference play was kind of similar. Um, it looked like maybe things were going to happen. Things were going to go smoothly. And then, you know, you get one team comes down with COVID. They have to stop, you know, completely for like a week while they figure it out. And then somebody else and, and you know, Wichita state's really been, getting the short end of the stick as far as that goes. You look at like Houston, they've basically almost played all their games. Like they really haven't had too many cancellations or postponements. And Wichita State, other than that initial beginning of the season where they had uh, a positive case within the program, they haven't had any, you know, knock on wood, they they haven't had any more. Um, and and it's really been other programs who have, have caused Wichita State to lose those games, and, it, and it's big games. Like, this is the second time we've seen the SMU matchup get postponed, and that's a big one because it's a quad one opportunity for a team that really, really needs to get them. So we'll see, you know, what it looks like. You know, we've got, like you said, five games on the schedule. Does it stay there? You know, do we have a conference tournament? Do they extend the regular season out to try and get a couple more games in? You know, it's... Who, who knows? I think Taylor even brought it up in his recent article on the Eagle. He mentioned that, you know, there's a possibility, like, does Wichita State really need games against East Carolina or Tulane or Temple when they need to make up games against Memphis, Cincinnati, and South Florida? Certainly, 
those other games would be more beneficial from a resume standpoint as far as strength of schedule, quality wins, things like that. So it will be interesting to see, you know, if this schedule holds or if we continue to see some shakeup in the next week or so. Well, we did finally start to see him move things around a little bit. I completely agree with you. You know, the the Shockers have been on the short end of the stick, and it's getting to the point, you know, not once has it been Wichita State's fault that these games have been postponed. I think you get to a point, I mean, do you look at a forfeit situation? I mean, SMU, in my opinion, we shouldn't be going down to Dallas. I think they should play both games in Wichita. We have it on the 25th and 28th. I would just keep SMU in town, have them play on the 25th, and then the very next day or the, the day after, uh, have them play again. And, you know, it's like if you keep having these problems come up in your program, in my opinion, you should at least forfeit the opportunity to have a home game. I know a flight down to Dallas isn't too much, but we're also trying to open up dates here. And and I think, you know, this is the second time this has happened. SMU should be playing twice in Wichita. Well, the issue, though, with doing something like that is if you remove the game at SMU from Wichita State, you've actually removed a quad one opportunity because games in Wichita, those are going to be quad two against SMU being just above the 50 mark. If you want it to be quad one, you're going to actually have to play a road game. And I think that that could be a factor in them wanting to decide, you know, we're actually going to keep this home road. Whereas like in East Carolina, like, yeah, that that one, if you're going to do back to back, you just do them in Wichita because because really East Carolina can't keep it together. Yeah, I mean, and and you look uh, on Taylor's Twitter, he's got it, a little Excel spreadsheet with Wichita State, Memphis, Cincinnati, and South Florida. Really, you know, there's no more available dates out there, uh, at least at the current time, that would make sense to get any of these games in. So you have to think, you know, will you even get one of these opportunities? Because certainly uh, you have another quad two opportunity with Cincinnati on the road and with Memphis as well. I'm curious if the conference is going to start taking a more active role. There was, you know, I think Taylor's kind of been alluding to it, but if Wichita State doesn't need a game against East Carolina in an effort to make a resume case, does Memphis really need games against Temple and Tulane? That's their next two games at home. Do You know, since Wichita State now is open on the 21st, does Memphis get switched? And all of a sudden, do they get a game against Wichita State? on the 21st instead and come on the road uh, for a game like that. I mean, I could I could definitely see some interest in that. It'd be probably unprecedented in that you would see schedule makers adjusting things in an effort to try and make some programs have better quality games in an effort to improve their, their resume. But this is unprecedented a year already. You know, you're already shuffling schedules so much. I don't think it would be a stretch. I mean, none of these teams had the kind of non-conference opportunities that they normally get. I mean, it's it's an abbreviated non-conference season. So I can certainly see the rationale for making a, a move like that. You know, does Wichita State finishes the season at Tulane and at Temple? Would they rather have those games be matchups against Cincinnati or South Florida instead? So I, I, I'd be curious to see what happens. And then one thing I've been thinking about, this is this is my dark twisted sense, but if for some reason Wichita State were to manage to get a percentage points lead on Houston, now probably they'd have to achieve a, a giant feat in beating Houston at home, but if they can get a percentage points lead in the conference race and potentially win the regular season that way, I could totally see the conference saying, hey, you know what, we're not going to have a conference tournament, it's unsafe, and we're going to award our auto bid to Wichita State because they were first place in the conference. I mean, I think their motivation would be solely because that way they can get two teams in, but 
I, I could see him doing that. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, this is the first year of the double round robin. So you've always, in previous years, had the discrepancy between, you know, you're you're not playing consistent schedules or the same programs. We see, you know, Houston has played 13 games versus Wichita State playing 10. Cincinnati's only played nine. And so it'll be interesting to see. And from the AAC's perspective, I mean, right now you're a one-bid league. So, um, you know, do you want to shift things around to to get another team in the NCAA tournament to have more revenue coming into the conferences, uh, to the conference coffers, or do you just want to keep that competitive balance and kind of keep everyone uh, equal? So it, it'll definitely be interesting to see, but we're running out of time here. So we're certainly going to have to be making these decisions here pretty quick. And I would imagine because it didn't happen last year in Dallas or Fort Worth rather that they do want to try and get the tournament in this year. I think that's the most likely scenario is that they will have a conference tournament because they'll want that chance at, at an extra bid. My question is going to be, do you think Houston actually shows up? I mean, it being right before the NCAA tournament, being around all those other programs, and clearly SMU and ECU are struggling with keeping this coronavirus at bay since and Memphis and Cincinnati as well. Like there's, there's a number of teams who have had it continue to bite them. I mean, if I'm Houston, I would, I would consider sitting it out and, and that would be really interesting to see what they do. Yeah, we saw the NCAA came out with a, a mock of the top 16 teams. We saw Houston as a two seed. It would be hard to imagine they could get up to that one line. So they're probably at their ceiling right now. And I would agree. I don't think it makes sense for Houston to come to the conference tournament because the American out of all these leagues has has shown uh, really an inability to kind of get this under control for the entire season. Yeah, I mean, here here's the other question. You know, maybe if you're, if we're looking at this from a, a scenario and you're saying, hey, maybe teams need to forfeit. Well, I don't know that that really makes a difference because if a team forfeits a game, like that doesn't go into any analytics. It doesn't go into any resume building. I mean, it would just kind of be a one or a zero on a piece of paper. I don't know that helps the team that is being forfeited to. But what would be interesting is if they penalize them and say, you know what, you haven't been able to control this, you're not going to be able to play in the conference tournament. You know, something like that, you know, could could get somebody's attention and say, look, if you guys can't get this under control, you know, this is this is a three strike situation. If you get any more cases, you know, you're out. You can't play in the conference tournament and compete for that auto bid. What's interesting, I got this from Twitter from Mark Adams today. He'll be on the call for Thursday's game with Houston. But the American is only one of three leagues, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the American, that have all the teams in the conference at 160 or better in the net ranking. So it's it's interesting, you know, the, they don't really have the, the dogs of, of the league at all, but across the board, it's kind of just been mediocre. And with none of these games happening or a lot of these games being postponed has, has really uh, hurt the league to, to have that second team kind of stand out as and, and build that NCAA tournament resume. I think it has a lot to do with the shortened non-conference schedule. I know so many conferences were saying, hey, we can control our own schedule. So let's do the double round robin. Let's do the 20 game schedule and, and shorten the non-conference. But all those statistics and analytics models are really heavily based around getting that cross-pollination between conferences. Wichita State lost their three games in their non-conference tournament. You know, they're losing those opportunities out and really only had a handful. And and those games themselves against Missouri and Oklahoma State, they were heavily influenced by 
the short bench because of COVID. So like even in those scenarios, they really weren't able to be at full strength. Now Ole Miss, they were, that was a good road win. So certainly some positive things did come out, but there just wasn't the volume of those games. There wasn't the opportunity to kind of stretch out, get your depth developed, get some, and even some easy wins where you can kind of run up the score a bit and get, give some numbers to those analytics models that make you look a little better. Because I think that's that's really where Wichita State has struggled. It's it's gotten some good wins. The sweep over Tulsa looks looks good, but they really haven't been able to get uh, you know, really win the way you would like to see them win. I have a simple solution. Win Thursday against Houston and this whole situation completely changes and you'll see yourself popping up in the bracketology there pretty darn quick. But uh, I will say, hopefully this isn't an issue we have to deal with ever again, but I think history will, you know, look back on how each conference has handled this and and maybe not necessarily view the American in in a favorable light. We've seen the Missouri Valley Conference basically playing double headers. We saw, you know, Drake versus Loyola uh, twice over the weekend, and, and they're doing all their games to where you just play back to back, and they're at least getting the games in. So it, I, it'll, you know, be a crazy couple weeks here. Hopefully they're able to uh, reschedule at least one more of these games. But uh, I, I don't know. It's it's a crazy season. We've said that so many times already this year. But uh, it'll the, definitely need to get creative here between uh, now and that second week of March. Well, let's go ahead and recap last week's win over UCF. Shockers win 61-60. to Wasn't even sure if Altariq Gilbert was going to play in the game. He scores a team high, 17 points. Darius Perry had a fantastic game for UCF. He scores 27, but he misses the most important shot, which that would be the shot to win the game at the end. It's the Shockers' best start since joining the American at 8-2. and two. They were plus 7 in bench production. They were plus 5 in points off of turnovers. But once again, in my opinion, this was a game they should have lost. UCF had you know, the, the opportunity to, to take the lead late and, and maybe outplay the Shockers in both games this year, but the Shockers go away 2-0, and so you, you love to see it. I mean, winning ugly is still winning, so you just you take what you can get. A lot of credit goes to Altariq Gilbert, just the way he played, struggling through his sickness, not knowing if he was going to play. I mean, you look at how he performed, and he, he I mean, he was just... He was phenomenal out there. 17 points on 6 of 10 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3, hit that big 3 late to give Wichita State a 4-point lead. So I, th- I think that was great. I also think Dexter Dennis, the last few games, really emerging as a consistent scorer. He's not, you know, there's there's almost something about this where if he's the guy going out there for 10, 10 to 12 shots a game, you know, and looking for good spots to make an impact offensively, get to the rim, get to the free throw line where he was six for six. I think I'm I'm really excited about those prospects. So those are two guys that we really were talking about. Hey, if they can get it going, you know, this team really gets a whole lot better. So they improved. But, you know, credit to UCF, their defense on Tyson Etienne was excellent. He could never really get it going. But I would give credit to Tyson as well for not forcing it. He took eight shots, which is b- well below his his average, ends up with five points. Um, so not not the the day he would want to have at the office. But you know, didn't force it on that big play where where Alterite gets the three pointer. He reverses the ball, swings it around, gets a good look, and that's that's going to be happening because of the pull. One thing that I am disappointed in is 
the closing of the game, getting that four point lead and then fouling on a layup, you know, and then turning the ball over when you've got a one point lead. It just seems like Wichita State like does just like the bare minimum to win sometimes. And and even then, you know, we'll, we'll tempt fate considering that UCF had a shot in the air to win the game. I thought Taylor put it perfectly in his game recap. You know, the the shockers are fantastic and they're maddening. I mean, it's 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 on both sides of the spectrum. They make plays that it's like, oh my goodness, you know, look at this talent, and then they make other plays. It's like, well, that was about a bonehead move. What are you doing? They are seven and one in games decided by five points or less. And so for for all the you know late game issues that we've seen throughout the season, they do tend to come out victorious. You talked about Dexter Dennis. He had 16 points and 10 rebounds. That was the first shocker double-double of the season. They were only one of 10 Division I programs that had not had a double-double. And and so uh, I I do think Dexter's play has been more consistent and uh, it's been maybe more of what we expected over these last couple weeks. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He's he's been able to play the defense that we're expecting game in and game out. He's starting to get that outside shot to fall. He's getting downhill and going to the rim, getting fouled, finishing a little better at the rim. I'm sure I'm sure the percentages could come up a little more, but considering that Tyson was really struggling in this game, it was good to see Dexter Dennis and Alterik really take the reins offensively and be aggressive. Also, you know, Defense on Mahan again for UCF. Their their best play. There's another banked in three as well. When you think about it, you know the curse of the banked in three. I'll say it now. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> three times, and the team that gets it three times doesn't win. There, there you go. I, I think that I think that answers that question. So I think we've killed it this season. If it continues to happen, I'm going to be like, what is going on? It almost feels like Wichita State is somehow fighting against the basketball gods. Like the basketball gods want Wichita State to lose. All these bizarre things happening and somehow Wichita State continues to squeak by. I subscribe uh, to The Athletic and Seth Davis is one of their writers and he runs a series where it's uh, unfiltered comments. They're, they don't put a name to it, but it's unfiltered comments about teams from other coaches or other players within the conference. And with Wichita State, the one thing that was interesting is they did say the more physical you are with Tyson Etienne, the more he seems to struggle. So uh, obviously he's proven adept at getting his own shot a lot this year. He was smart and you know, when things aren't going well, not taking too many shots. But it'll be interesting to me, particularly with a team like Houston coming in here on Thursday, that they are long and athletic and the more physical they are with him, if that'll impact him or if he'll be able to fight through that. I mean, that's going to be the thing he has to respond to. It's going to be a question of which teams are actually effective enough to be able to do that, to really be physical without fouling, because that's that's a tough line to walk, um, because you can't just send somebody like Tyson to the free throw line. Now, his free throw percentage is not where I expected it would be, but I mean, he's still so good from the free throw line that I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to necessarily completely gamble with that. But, you know, you you have to be physical with him. You have to find a way to try and slow him down. And certainly UCF did that. But to Tyson's credit, no turnovers, not one. I mean, the shooting wasn't there for him, but uh, you know, no no turnovers is a good day at the office when the other team is constantly sending two defenders at you. Shockers are up to 82 in Kinpom. They are 77 in the net rankings. But as we discuss, biggest opportunity of the year to improve that 
this Thursday at home. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for that big matchup. ESPN2, nationally ranked, the sixth-ranked Houston Cougars coming to town. I'm excited, and the one thing I'll say, boy, I would have loved to see a packed Charles Cocorita when these guys are coming to town on Thursday, but I, I'm sure the 20% will do their job. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for Thursday's matchup with Houston. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We'll get you ready for Thursday's matchup with Houston. The Cougars, Cougars come to town at 17-2 and on the season, 11-2 and in the AAC. Game will tip at 6 p.m. will be broadcast on ESPN2. The Cougars have a net ranking of 5, a Ken Palm ranking of 6. Both teams will have not played for eight days uh, since last Wednesday when the Shockers played UCF and and Houston uh, had a game with USF. And so it really comes down to this. If you want to make the NCAA tournament, go out and take care of business on your home court. Yeah, absolutely. I think with Houston, you're looking at the top of the conference. I mean, they're talented across the board. They've got big physical athletic players throughout the lineup, and they're they're talented. So, I mean, the question is, can you – catch them on a bad day. I mean, East Carolina beat them, which still blows my mind to this day that somehow East Carolina beat Houston. But you got to you got to come out, you got to bring your A game and you're going to need everybody playing well if you want to get this win. Yeah, coach Isaac Brown talked today that the focus all week long is going to be on rebounding. Houston is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. They have a plus 10.4 rebounding margin over opponents this year. Wichita State has been one of the worst rebounding teams in the country this year. And so I, I think this is a big game for Morris Udeze. If, if they're able to take care of business, also limit Houston's offensive rebounds. They don't necessarily shoot the ball fantastic, but they get all of those offensive rebounds, which leads to second chance opportunities. But I, I think the Shocker big men will really need to play a role in this one for the Shockers to win on Thursday. I mean, overall, as a team, they only shoot roughly 35% from three. So I agree they're not they're not a great shooting team. They've got guys that can burn you. Quentin Grimes and Marcus Sasser are both 36% three-point shooters. So they're going to make it at a high enough clip that you can't leave them open. I mean, they're high-scoring guards, and you got to stay with them. So it'll be interesting to see how they line up, how they do their matchups as as far as going into the game. I would expect that Alterique's going to see DeJon Giroux on the defensive matchup, and then you're going to see Tyson and Dexter getting the really difficult matchups of trying to slow down Sasser and Grimes, which, in my opinion, that's where the game's going to be. You're going to see their forwards are going to be really, you know, Grisham and Gorham, they're going to be going to get, you know, rebounds and close, easy baskets. And they're going to miss shots, but I think the Shockers really need to avoid going extended periods with no scoring. If you remember from the game on January 6th where they lost 70-63, to they're up double digits in the second half, and then they just had this long you know, a run, seven-minute long run where Houston was scoring and the Shockers were not. As we talked about coming out of that game, if the baskets aren't falling down, you can't let that impact your defense as well. you got to stay as consistent as possible on both ends of the court. Absolutely. I think what you're going to see is Wichita State's got to find ways to manufacture points, probably going through Udeze. I feel like there's there's a little bit of this 
tension that happens when they've struggled to score a little bit because you start to see some guys play a little more hero ball, try to make a difficult play on their own. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes we see some pretty spectacular plays made. I mean, we've seen that from Tyson. We've seen that from Ricky Council making some, you know, behind the back, drive down the lane, finger rolls just when Wichita State needs it. But you really want to avoid needing that situation. So if Wichita State can find ways to use their sets to manufacture some some easy baskets here and there, that's really going to allow things to smooth out, really allow the offense to flow a little better and keep those long runs from happening. I, I definitely agree. They got to keep the ball moving. Houston is one of the best ball screen teams, not only in the conference, but in the country. And and they really limit Wichita State's ability. They like to play from the inside out. You know, if you throw it down to Big Mo, that doesn't necessarily mean he needs to be shooting it. They got to keep the ball moving around. Also, you know, they'll, they'll need to make down or they'll need to knock down some three point shots. Houston is actually number one in the country in defensive field goal percentages on three. They only allow 25.5% of threes to go in. Wichita State is ninth, and so I, I think you know they'll have opportunities as well. But uh, uh, Houston is a, an intriguing matchup. The last couple of years really have not played very many competitive games. It was unfortunate they had the streak that they did on January 6th. or might have been a different story. I think a key player for Houston is that Jerome. Because he he really set the tone in that previous game, and and I think you know if the Shockers are able to take care of him, I'm I'm not as worried necessarily about you know I know Grimes and Sasser are the two biggest scoring guys, but just don't let that third option pop up. They're going to get their points, but then take care of business on these other guys, and and I think you'll be in decent shape. I mean, you look at Jarreau, and he's a guy that fills the stat sheet across the board. He can rebound. He creates for other people. He leads the team in assists. He can shoot it decently well from the outside. So, and and with his length, I mean, that's something that I've found really interesting with him. And I think what you know, when you look at Houston, what makes them so good on the defensive end is they're so long and athletic and they're quick to contest. I mean, you may think you have an advantage when you're moving the ball around, but they close off those avenues so quickly. So if you're Wichita State, you got to move ball quick and you got to be decisive. I mean, if you're Mo down low, you get the ball, you have to decide real quick whether you have the advantage to make a play or you got to kick it out quick and keep the defense as much scrambling as you can because you're not just going to get, you know, three dribbles to pound it out to try and get yourself in better position. Houston scores 76.2 points per game. They allow 56.9. They shoot at 42% from the field. You mentioned 35% from three. They're only 73% from the free throw line, so a, a close game I think would favor the Shockers at the line. They are averaging 12 turnovers per game, but in return they get 8.6 steals per game. So this will be a, another, you know, we've mentioned this several times throughout the season, but the Shocker guards, in my opinion, do a really good job of not turning the ball over. We saw a little, you know, late at UCF, they got you a little scared, but I, I think uh, the Shockers have the team that can can beat a Houston, particularly on its own on its own home court. Yep, I think it's going to come down to just hitting the outside shots. They're going to need Tyson hitting. They're going to need Dexter, Trey, Altariq hitting a good percentage from the outside. And if that happens, then I, I like Wichita State to win the game. After Houston plays at Wichita State, they have home games with Cincinnati and South Florida, and they close the season at Memphis. So all three of those are 
are you know not necessarily guaranteed wins, but also uh, you would figure the Houston will be favored in all of those remaining matchups. And so the Shockers take care of business, though. I mean, you 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 jump them in the standings as far as the winning percentage is concerned. And as we've talked about, does Houston even come to the conference tournament, or is that a need? So it's <laughs> you don't want to put too much pressure on one game because you still got to play SMU twice, and, and you still got some other matchups out there but uh i i really think this the whole season at least from an ncaa tournament perspective comes down to this one game i agree with you i mean if if you want to be in you're going to have to win your quality games and this is it this is as high quality of a game as you get i mean i would expect win or lose wichita state's metrics will go way up unless they absolutely just get hammered at home which which i don't see happening um, I, they're going to improve dramatically and games against SMU, if they can figure out a way to get Memphis in there, the rest of the schedule, I think a lot of that stuff is going to take care of itself. I mean, one thing that surprised me is you look at Wichita State, they have had a very difficult schedule. When you look at the strength of schedule, Wichita State's had the types of defenses Wichita State has played against. They've had a tough go of it and they've played some really good defenses and have come out on top more times than not. Now, if they lose the game, if you look at the standings, the Shockers are at eight and two, and Memphis is at eight and three. You've lost your only game against Memphis, and so that would drop them down to third place at that point. If we look the rest away for the other contenders in the conference, Memphis plays Tulane. They're at Cincinnati, at USF, and then they end with Houston. SMU has USF, UCF, Wichita State twice at Cincinnati and Tulane. Cincinnati quietly after starting 0-4, I believe, is now 5-4 in the conference, and they're the hottest team. You know, we've talked about they probably weren't going to stay at the bottom forever, and so I I guess, in your opinion, would you rather see them uh, reschedule the game at Cincinnati or the home matchup with Memphis? I'd rather see the home matchup with Memphis purely because Memphis is a team that's higher in the net rankings, so it's going to look like a better win than Cincinnati. Now, I know I know Cincinnati's been climbing in that stuff, so that I mean there's it's it's certainly still a valuable road opportunity, but I think I would rather get that revenge against Memphis. You've already beaten Cincinnati. It'd be nice to prove to the committee that you can split against Memphis. I agree. Well, we we do usually make a uh, prediction. So Houston at Wichita State, ESPN2, who you got? Oh, man, this this one's so tough because honestly, I think I think Houston is the better team. They're just stacked across the board and have played so consistently all season long. But, I, you know, Wichita State's figured out a way to scrap and claw games out when they absolutely had to, as maddening as it is when you're watching it. I'm going to say Wichita State squeaks this one out 67-66. I mean, how often do you have a top 10 team in the nation come uh, on your court, at least from Wichita State's perspective, for the last, you know, 10, 20 years. And so it's such an incredible opportunity. Now, I will say they have Houston's attention. Houston's going to know, you know, coming into this, that if they lose, they're dropping into second place. They remember, you know, more than likely being down double digits to the Shockers in the second half. Not that they're immune to having a bad game, but I think they're going to be taking this seriously. And and to remind everyone, both teams will have eight days in between games. And so do you see any rust? What's been going on with all the, the postponements and the practices and different things like that? I just, I, I'm with you. I think the Shockers get a win. I'm going to say 
69 to 67, maybe a late bucket. Uh, you know, we haven't beat Houston since that first AAC matchup at Coke Arena. So Houston it has been, you know, a, a team we've struggled with. And so I think it's time to get the monkey off the back. So if Wichita State wins, do you suddenly see Wichita State in all the brackets? Like, does that give Wichita State the resume where you say, yep, they should be in? Or do you think that there's still something left to prove? I mean, granted, you can't lo- take bad losses the rest of the way, but you know, you're looking for a marquee win. This would be it. Is that enough? I think it is. I think if they beat Houston, you could split with SMU. Obviously, they're going to be favored at Tulane and at Temple, and then just win. You know, hopefully, we have a conference tournament. But I, f- I think if you win at least that first game in your conference tournament. You're in. So they're already starting to creep up. I think Jerry Palm has them in the next four out area right now. They, they've they they've kind of crept up uh, before and then they lost to Memphis and they've been out of the picture, but they're starting to come back in. They have, you know, a, a decent resume, 12 and four, uh, but it really just comes down to, you know, their metrics aren't fantastic right now. Now, a win over Houston, which is net ranked number five, Ken Palm ranked number six, you'd have to think that kicks you up into the 60s range somewhere in there which at that point I, I i think you have a case to make the tournament yeah i would i would think the case is there it'll be really interesting to see how that resume then stacks up the rest of the way how those metrics start to shift because it you know it's a little bit of a black box you know for years wichita state in the valley was beneficiary of the metrics they would they would beat up on the valley they'd get all these 20 point wins they'd be sitting with the top 20 RPI, Ken Palm, all that stuff. And people go, well, no, but they play in the Valley. It's, it's easy. You know, it's, it's not difficult to get those wins, but now Wichita State's in a much tougher conference and they're kind of on the other end of that equation this season, you know, squeaking by against some teams that while their, their metrics aren't there. I mean, I've, you know, you watch some of these teams play, you watch a UCF, you watch a Temple, there's talent on those teams and there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to come out with a win. So kind of interesting that, that you, in a few short years, you see Wichita State on the other side of that discussion. I found it interesting. North Carolina's uh, men's basketball Twitter account tweeted out over the weekend, basically, uh, hey, we're looking for a matchup, kind of the equivalent of a U up text. <laughs> they, they said, hey, we'd, we'd love to play a game this weekend. Let us know. So I almost thought, let's go down to North Carolina and just show the Tar Heels what Shocker basketball is all about. But it's a crazy year and it'll be interesting to see you know, how these next few weeks shake out. But take care of business on Thursday. And I definitely think you're on the right side of the bubble. In other news, we saw Taylor report uh, Wichita State extended four scholarship offers over the weekend. Two point guards uh, returning to their North Carolina uh, roots that they have. Tyson Waterman certainly back out on the recruiting trail. And and basically they just said, you know, that it's been kind of quiet on the recruiting front and they want their name back out there. They want to start, you know, getting getting back out there. And so you'd have to think that you know, uh, at least bodes somewhat well for the prospects of Isaac Brown keeping the full-time job, but also just the fact that, you know, they're, they're, you know, able to sell the rich history of the Wichita state program will hopefully bring in, uh, some, some new talent. It, it'll be kind of interesting to see because all these players can come back next year. So how many spots that they actually have, it'll also be interesting to see what positions they're recruiting. It looks like point guards, a big focus. You got to think you got to go find a big man. Uh, here at some point as well, if you want to keep improving the program. But uh, just your thoughts, I guess, big picture on on them uh, getting back out and, and offering some scholarships. I think it's good. I mean, even even in the situation where you don't know if 
Isaac's going to be the coach long term. You don't know if, if he's going to get the job. You know, maybe this is an indication that he's feeling like the possibility is there. He's performed well enough. You know, I'm th- maybe there's even some conversations to that effect within the athletic department. But, you know, we don't really know yet. So the very least, you got to go out. You got to start doing the work and building those relationships because so much of recruiting is building trust, building those relationships. So if you don't do that work now, you know, if you get the job in two months from now, you're starting behind the eight ball because you have none done none of that development relationship building with some of these kids. So it's good to see Tyson Waterman going out, getting getting his uh, his feelers out there in the in the communities in North Carolina. You know, so you've got Elijah Jamison, a six three point guard, LJ Thomas, a six two point guard from Charlotte. You know, both in the class of 2022. So maybe they're not you know necessarily pushing for next year maybe they're looking a little longer term with some of this but they did say that uh, in the case of Jamison uh, the offer is contingent on him cla- reclassifying to 2021 so you know they're looking for some people you know for next year so maybe that's maybe that's because you know they're looking at the possibility of Alterique saying you know hey had a good run um, had all those injuries. He's having a good season. It may be time for him to start his pro career, you know, because certainly he's got the skills to be able to go do that. You know, Trey Wade is going to be in a similar position where they where he can come back, but should he or is that really you know the right thing for him? You know, maybe he wants to keep playing with his brother for one more year. So, you know, all these question marks are out there, but I think it's good to see them going out and recruiting. So I would like to see, you know, some more of these 6'10", 6'11", athletic types. You don't need necessarily a whole lot of offensive skill right now. You need guys who can go grab a rebound, who are physically imposing, who can swat shots away, you know, really turn people away from the paint because Morris needs help. Morris needs more people who can be physical in the paint with him, who can give him a breather so you can you can really rebound at a high level. And that's what, you know, Wichita State is missing right now. So it, it's good. Uh, I'm glad to see that there's some offers that are that are out there. Hopefully that's a promising sign for for the future of the program and and hopefully they can they can get some good ones to commit. Well, it's a big week for the Shockers. I won't ask you to do your own buy or sell and, and buy or sell the questions that you already know are coming, but uh any anything else you want to cover here? How's it feel being in the the co-host chair? Oh, it's weird. <laughs> uh, but it's good. I mean, I always, you know, one of since I started working on the podcast with you, one of my favorite things is just talking Shocker basketball. So if it's something that gives me, you know, 45 minutes just to sit and talk about Shocker basketball for a while, I'm I'm always on board with that. So well, we should have plenty to talk about next week. You'll have the the game at Houston to recap, and then the Shockers will play SMU twice next week, once on Thursday and once on Sunday. So it uh, will be an exciting week. Hopefully we get that home victory on Thursday, and uh, we'll be back. Hopefully Taylor will be back. I believe he's in Maui. So, man, I must be paying nice at the Eagles. Is he getting paid per story or per tweet or what, what's going on there? But <laughs> I, I think it's a, I think it's a click thing. So if you want to if you want to support uh, Taylor and his Maui endeavors, make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Make sure you go read his articles on the Eagle uh, at Kansas.com. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Brian. Have a great week. And uh, what should our listeners do? You got to rate us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.